think that Buffy jumped the shark with the musical episode? It's the best musical episode that's ever been made. It's brilliant, and it advanced the plot in a way that would have been difficult to advance the plot if you didn't have a musical episode. Okay, because I was worried for a second. Buffy episode, the Buffy one... I just, even, like, even though I do this for a living, I, anything that is a musical causes me to cringe a little bit. Yeah, but you hate musicals. I hate musicals, is what i You I'm do saying. opera for a living. You yeah. hate musicals. So, I think that shows jump the shark when they have a musical episode, but this is another point of friction in our relationship. <laughs> that is an actual point of it's friction. It's a real yeah, that's, major, that's, that's, not, that's not a made-up one. That's, that's a major one. Hello and welcome to another episode of Because Money. Season 4 is proudly sponsored by one of our own, John Robertson's The Value of Simple, which is a book that I got for Christmas a few years ago and read in three days. It brought me from terrified of the idea of investing to being able to confidently set up my own DIY investing all by myself back when I knew very little about finances. If you want to start DIY investing and don't know where to start, check out his book, The Value is Simple, or his course. You can find all the information you need at www.valueofsimple.ca where you find the book and links to his awesome online course. Today's episode, we are joined by one of my favorite people in the world, like actually one of my favorite people because I live with her all the time, my partner Mimi, and we're talking about how we manage money. We're not exactly the most typical couple as we're both freelance opera singers who spend a lot of time apart. And so our finances may not look like everybody else's, but I hope that you'll find it interesting the way we do things and glean a couple of helpful things from it. Hope you enjoy. Let's play a fun game called I Hope Mimi and I Are Still Together at the End of This Podcast. Okay, so what do you guys want to know about our finances? (laughs) All of the things. Well, okay, so let's just start with, um, let's just, let's just start with describe your whole, but like, okay, so uh, how, how do you manage your money? That's a good question. And when I say manage your money, I don't mean like invest, that's later, but like, you know, you have to buy groceries, you have to pay rent, you have to pay for all those kinds of things. So uh, who pays for what and why? I know, right? So a lot of our stuff, like we have, we have pretty separate systems in a lot of ways. And it's partially because we're both self-employed. And so we have kind of the business things. And then added onto that, we spend a lot of time not in the same place. And so like we don't have, we have one joint account. Um, which is our kind of long distance travel account. And we put $300 in a month, 150 yeah. each to that. And that's something that we set up a bunch of years half, ago. Two years ago? Yeah. It could have been five. I'm I think bad it was with like the, three years yeah. ago or something. But, and that's been really great because we do have so, it's, it's just nice not to feel like we're dipping into rent money or yeah. grocery money to be able to buy a last minute plane ticket if we need to be able to, yeah, touch base over a weekend or if we have like a an, a moment of opportunity to see each other when we've been away for a long time so that was our so first our first joint expense that we kind of hit yeah um along the way was that how do we cover this in a fair way travel cost without having stresses on either side yeah. and then everything else kind of is pretty pretty casual actually 
Um, because we don't, we don't have like a, an envelope for grocery money or anything like that. We don't have a set. We both have a set separate budgets. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't worry too much about keeping all those household rent is even. Yeah. Um, although <laughs> not, <laughs> this is funny and maybe it's for everyone is it's not really that complicated. I mean, it's, it's more complicated than, than it seems, but, uh, it generally things like rent are more even, although we've just kind of entered a new environment where but we can talk about that. Yeah, sure. Um, so we started, um, we moved into this place that we live in now, which both of you guys have been in with a roommate. Yeah, that's, people can't see it anymore. Than, but you know, <laughs> you, can, you can imagine what it looks like because you've been there. And um, so it's, we moved in here with a roommate. And so originally we we're splitting the cost three ways. And then we had a series of roommates and then casual roommates. And we decided after our last roommate moved out, we were like, you know what? There's nobody that kind of, we were always lucky to kind of have somebody come out of the woodwork. It was, it was we were pretty organic. Before. It was like it was a friend yeah. needed a place and would come for six months. And then another friend or a colleague or a friend of a friend would need it for three months. And then so there just was kind of this revolving door of like guest bedroom slash new roommate that would come in. And then, yeah, a uh, half a year ago or something, we decided that we would just like take the opportunity to um, just kind of transition to it being our place. And we still use the the extra bedroom for, there's there's still kind of a revolving door of opera singers who come through Toronto and who need a place for two months or a month or two weeks. And so we'll charge a little bit for that. And it goes into, basically what we decided to do was um, essentially maintain the same equal rents that we set up at the very beginning, but that I would take on more of the risk of the fluctuation of the rent um, just in terms of like my my income is a bit more stable right now and and I make a little bit more and so it just made sense for and I was willing to kind of take that on I was <clears throat> and it's not a big deal it's not a major stress for me to have that so, kind of come in and, yeah because when people are renting from us now is often for short term furnished which is a little bit higher rent than we were would normally ask and it's still a deal versus lots of the short term furnished yeah. places. Um, but it's a little bit different. So there's a higher amount, but it's more variable. And this is the thing, this is a big thing with me and my finances is that she makes more money than I do. And so that's been one of the big conversations that we're constantly having, um, about equal and non-equal. And so the, the latest one, we get into like the weeds right away with the rent because mm-hmm. that's how we've kind of figured out right now. It's my portion can be stable because that's easier for me to handle right now. And Mimi can afford the risk because her kind of liquid buffers are a little bit bigger. Um, and essentially, it's we've still maintained the, the. I've paid the exact same amount of rent. It's just since not, we've started this. Not always at the same time. Uh, than than I was at the um, previously. It's yeah. just that you know. So really, there hasn't been too much. There haven't been any months yet that I'm like, oh, all of a sudden I'm paying an extra eight hundred dollars or something. Yeah. It's pretty. It's been a we've been able to kind of smooth that out which has been good but so even the answer of how we split our rent is uh, like a five minute story yeah i know <laughs> i know but, but yeah it's, i mean really the the crux of it is that we both have our own businesses that we need to fund and we've both over the past few years separated our our business and personal kind of bank accounts and finances and we've slowly started kind of overlapping some joint expenses like 
the travel fund that we had. Um, technically, my my personal account is a joint account with you. you know, just, we, <laughs> we just don't use account. it as a joint account, but yes. Um, and then, right. like, for groceries and other expenses, it's been kind of come out, it comes out in the wash a little bit. I you think for, for us, the crux of it is, is that we've gotten better, or, or just, we just talk, we have to talk a lot. And, and that's yeah. been the biggest kind of advantage of me, like, heading into this financial space, and because I've gotten better talking about it, and I think it would have been way worse if I wasn't getting better, because it was not so, and because that's so important, because we don't have systems, we don't have set systems, and so... Yeah we need to be checking in and we need to be able to trust each other that if I feel like I've spent Too all much. money on the groceries this month and I'm like, look, I just don't have the cash and I need you to go shopping this time. I need to be able to say that. And she needs to be able to believe that I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... So do you ever, so when you say like we talk about it all the time and she needs to be able to say, believe when I say that, like, have you ever had, or, or over time, have you disagreed about that kind of stuff? You don't obviously have no. to tell us all the details no. you don't want to, but... Like, the, there's always, like, it's not always easy to, like, that's an easy thing to say. Oh, you just have to trust each Like, no, and, and it's it's hard to, there's always pride that comes in here. And maybe not, that's not everybody's thing. Everybody's got their own thing. But, like, specifically, like I mentioned before, like, Mimi for the last three years has made significantly more than I have. And so that's always something that we have to balance because we want to make things even and I want to be able to contribute. And at the same time, um, uh, she, she doesn't like, we don't have, we, we can't always just go back to what I'm able to contribute halfway. So it's like, it's, and that definitely has been hard for me sometimes to be like, okay, I have to be able to accept, um, that, that I'll pay a little more sometimes that, that even isn't always 50 yeah. 50 and that balance and partnership isn't always 50 50. And that doesn't always, that doesn't always feel great. Sometimes it does. Sometimes you can accept it. And it's always in weird. It's not always in the places that you think. And I can't think of a specific example, but you're like, all of a sudden this will come up and you'd be like, no, I want to be able to contribute. Otherwise we can't do it. But like, well, one example was, uh, recently I, I was sort of like, okay, I'm paying myself like a big bonus. So I had made like a big chunk of money and I, I had sort of filled in all my accounts and buffers in a way that made me comfortable and saved what I wanted to save. And I was like, you know what? We've had this bed for a long time. <laughs> the mattress is giving me back pain. And also, God damn it, I want a queen bed. <laughs> and so that was something that we talked about where I was like, okay, I understand that you might not be able to like, that might be too big of an expense for you to handle yeah. right now because you were putting all of your extra money into your business and, and you know, your sort of financial reality was different. And so I was like, listen, this is my, like, you know, budget for bed and mattress that I'm just, this is what I am all, it's already spent in my mind. And this is like really important, A, for my, my sleep and my, my health in terms of my aches and pains and things. So I just sort of said... I know I'm so old. So that was, that was like one of those things where I was like, it's, you know, I, I'm going to buy us a new bed. And, but we did that together, like in terms of choosing it and, and all the rest of it. But it was, but that was like one of, it's like one of those moments of, okay, this isn't something we can do 50, 50, but 
understanding that it's it's okay because we're doing we are a partnership and yep. you know I might be making more now but he'll be making more at some other point and we have to be able to roll with those punches and sort of see and be comfortable with that you know and in that situation it's a good example because Mimi did a really good job and I can't really tell you how but she made a really good job of making me just kind of saying our enough times like our bed making us part of the city like that purchase decision it's like a small thing but like it's so I didn't like I did feel like it was something we were doing even though I wasn't contributing to it financially and so it that's a nice thing and that's like that's part of it's not always like that completely sometimes you just have to believe the words and you don't actually feel it because it's just because life doesn't work all simply and it's not it's not like there's not a science but it, it does um that that is the extra half of it like to try to try to balance out um balance out that evenness when things aren't specifically even i don't know i don't well, have and, something and more specific the, to... the rent such, uh, evolution of sort of how we pay rent was also sort of a um consequence of like a couple years of talking about it and yeah. and you know where I felt like I could I could maybe um, afford to take on the rent just the two of us um, but but that, that was going to be too much of a burden for you to take on yeah and so for me it was like okay well I can you know it's I'm, I'm okay to wait I'm okay I like I like hosting people and I like having people in the house and that's yeah. that's totally fine but then it was like over, over a few years of sort of discussing where I was like, okay, well, how about, would you feel comfortable with doing it this way where I just took on more, more of the risk? Yeah. And it's still, so I don't know. It just kind of, and maybe that that's like feeling out, a nice mental like compromise too, for me to kind of like, I think I'd be less okay with just paying a third of the rent. You know, that would, bother me more even though like whether it should or not whether it should be fine or should not be it's it just it might bother me more do you do you know why it bothers you not always like i think it is a pride thing and it's not it's not all kind of male female um but there is a certain way that like you were still like i grew up in a pretty traditional house where my dad was more of a provider and I am very open to different roles and I really am, but some of that stuff does sneak in. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I, I just, I know there's a pride thing. Um, well, it's, a, it's, I think it's a self-sufficiency thing more than it is because you, that's you're, probably you're not the kind it. of guy who is like, Oh, it's a man's no, job. To, no, I, I've never gotten the sense that that's where it's from. I just think it's that you want to do it on your own and you, in, in so many aspects of your life, you yeah. don't like taking handouts. No, I, I can and be you, stubborn about that. Yeah, you can be really stubborn about yeah. that. <laughs> so I think it's may, it's more that. It's more that yeah. you're like, no, I want to I want to pay my way and I want to do it. I want to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I want to feel like I'm doing, I'm earning every every step yeah. as opposed to it being being supported yeah. while you're doing, but at the same time, something, you know? Part of the tough part of that is making sure that my decisions on that and making sure I want to like do be self-sufficient and isn't like making sure Mimi is in this house with 18 people and like living in a dorm and she's like when she doesn't have to be and when that's really not what she wants so like that's you know it, it there has to be that balance and and so 
it kind of does come back to like this unscientific conversation thing where you're like, I don't know. There's not like, here's a template for that talk, but it's like the more we, the, the fact that we are checking in more, the fact that she edits the stuff that I write. Yeah. I mean, the we're fact constantly that, talking about the fact that it's part of exactly ideas because I do, I'm sort of like on the back end of the yeah. Rex reasonable stuff. And, and I can be really insufferable about And when you get excited about it, stuff, yeah. you just want to talk about it all the time. <laughs> So, you know, yeah. I get but, the, but it the is good. notes of a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so you mentioned your dad. Yeah. Uh, either one of you. Like, what do you, do you have specific memories of the way that your family used money or, like, memories of, I don't know. What, what was your, what were your families like with money? Well, I think my, my family was definitely, um, we're always you know, solidly middle class, but, um, but a single, single income growing up. My mom was at home with us and my dad was like, you know, slowly climbing the public sector ladder. So, you know, not like a super lofty ladder or anything financially, but, but we definitely as kids never wanted for anything. And, and I think for my parents, it, they were always extremely um, frugal in terms of housing costs and always, you know, lived in a really affordable place so that we could have piano lessons and ballet lessons and yeah. soccer and trumpet and all the million things that we did as kids that, you know, really adds up. Uh, and we, you know, when we went, when we traveled, it was, we went camping or we went to go see family and it was a lot of road trips and we didn't take any sort of overseas trips together until I was in almost at the end of high school. And that was a really big deal that like, you know, we were finally kind of spending money on this like big you should, trip. You should tell her about your, your dad's ballet, ballet car lessons in economics. Oh yeah. So, so my dad <laughs> is a housing economist. He worked for CMHC his whole career. And, um, he would, he would pick us up at ballet class, me and my, my girlfriends. And then, he would grill us on uh, what we thought about the budget or what we thought about some some new like housing policy or kind of, and totally way overhead. I mean, we're talking. I'm an eight year old, and and like he's like, well, what do you think about you know the deficit and is the deficit a good thing or is it a bad thing and and so but he really uh, instilled critical thinking and he. But he was having fun with us because obviously we knew nothing about the deficit as, as eight-year-olds. So funny. <laughs> Training up the next generation. So funny. I love His <laughs> legacy. But, but honestly, yeah. one of, one of um, like to be sort of more self-analyzing in terms of um, influence of parents' as, uh, attitudes with, uh, with money, um, I feel like I am very much like my dad because he had, he has these like, two warring factions of his sort of rational mind being like, I don't need a nice car and I'm just need, I just, I'm going to be very frugal and smart about doing all the right things and being, making the right choices and, and not wasting money. But then there's, there's the flip side, which is like, but I, but you know, but this is a nice thing and I would like a nice thing and, and I've worked really hard and, isn't isn't that something I I deserve to have at you know at a certain point or like you know oh this table keeps falling apart like I can't believe I have such a 
piece of crap table or whatever. <laughs> and, um, and that's something that, that going back to what we were talking about in terms of rent and, and, yeah. and expenses and things before we started dating, I definitely was, I was always good with my money and I never was in debt or anything like that. But I wasn't a saver, really. And I would always kind of spend as much as I had. And I didn't have a very good saving strategy. I was like, if it was in my pocket, it kind of burned through my pocket. And um, so I definitely had a tendency to, as I made more money, my expenses would ratchet up with that. And so one of the real benefits of, of ha- you know, having these conversations about like, okay, well, you know, maybe we should be more frugal on this end or on that end and it's it sort of checked some of my devilish money uh habits and has allowed me to save a lot and now I'm I feel I get really excited about that and I and I love kind of that new financial habit but I know I love saving I'm a I'm a I'm a a recent YNAB convert after years of resisting it but (laughs) You know that I've loved YNAB for a long time. Yeah. And it's been like I have very patiently been <laughs> maybe patient. just like, no, that's just not for me. I, I don't like it. I don't like it, it at all. Work with my life. It doesn't work with my life. It just it's not good. It doesn't, it doesn't get it just, me. It doesn't get me. Like I just need a system that's different than that. <laughs> and like five years later, yeah. she's on it every day now. Every, every day. day. I just check a, in it. I, there's nothing more zealous than a recent convert. Yeah. It's true. The Wynabbers are crazy. Yeah. Once they get their like claws in, they're just like <laughs> Yeah. So but that but that is like <laughs> definitely, you know, in my um personal journey with money is I, I I have those two sides to my brain too, where on the one hand I wanna be really smart and frugal and I understand the benefit of not buying X, Y, and Z, but then every once in a while I get frustrated and I'm like, but, but I ha you know, why can't I, why can't I just do this trip or why can't I just, you know, buy this nice thing or, ha- you know, yeah. And so, but that, but that's generally, it's like more of a blip on the radar than, than, yeah. than the normal kind of status quo. But, but I definitely am saving a lot more than I would probably on my own and so that's been really good you can thank your low-income partner for that that's right <laughs> oh. Oh, <laughs> <did I leave? laughs> sorry <laughs> romance is dead i know yeah. <laughs> okay chris tell us about your family yeah. Man, um, whatever story is yours to tell i suppose i don't know like we really didn't talk about money at all growing up that really wasn't part of my my childhood it's just like now when you think about it like as my dad's a farmer and we came from a farming background and I have an idea of the nightmare that the night the cash flow nightmare that is farming it's just it's absolutely insane because the amount of inputs that you need to put up based a career on the weather which is straight up crazy and and just like it's just my cash flow issues and almost anybody's cash flow issues that I've dealt with times a thousand, just with more zeros and just more risk. So that's an incredible amount of stress. And we were definitely guarded from that. And so I'm both thankful for it and 
aware that it just that's that wasn't something that I was aware of at all growing up and and having didn't have conversations and really didn't just didn't have money and financial things as part of my life so it's it's uh you know and that's you know, I've talked about a lot on the site too just because it's like because I just ignored it for the longest time until it blew up in my face and then I learned to talk about it. and that's why I'm so grateful because I do think that communication about money is not something that came naturally to me or something that was kind of like baked into the pie you just get the and like it, big oh the, yeah oh me like remembers because when we started stare. to see each other like yeah. I was like I just I couldn't I just it was just was terrifying if I could have chosen the least likely new career for Chris it would have been finance blogger least likely <laughs> I think he had had the same Facebook profile picture ever since I yeah. met him he never posted online he had this like like total phobia of social media presence and then all of us and also a phobia of money just every time we talked about money he would just go beat red and clam up and just probably his brain was going a mile a minute and so honestly it's the last thing in the world i would have seen coming and it's still hilarious to me it's isn't, really hilarious isn't it to fun me. to invite our loved ones on the podcast <laughs> Isn't it a great decision that we made? But it is true. It's 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 really really it's true. Really, yeah. Um, I I was bad at both of those things, and yeah. now I'm only kind of bad at one of them. <laughs> we'll let the viewers decide which we'll one. We'll let the viewers decide which one. My, my phobia and social media. One of those is still true. I feel like that profile picture is still the same yeah mm. yes. I, that might be your clue that might be your clue right there. yeah it might still be the same shoot okay i'll change it before this episode comes out that'll show yeah, you all sure. <laughs> everyone's gonna be really confused yeah exactly who <laughs> so do you give each other advice i mean you talk about you clearly have demonstrated that you talk about it a lot but like thinking long term or investing or do you ever maybe, say, like, hey, what should I do about this thing? Mimi likes real estate, and so I just channel John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's like the, the doomsday voice. I'm the resident housing bear, even though yeah. it goes through a filter of, of like, not a housing bear. But, like, I just, I internalize the things that I feel like John would say. I'm like, what would John comment if this was, this was a blog right now? Yeah. Two things I do daily. Why nab? And check real estate listing. But no, I mean, we did buy, so uh, this, a lot of this came up two, almost two years ago, two was years ago. when we bought a, an income property, or I guess, a, yeah, we call it an income property. It's not producing income at the moment, but it is <laughs> paying itself off. But we're not living in it. We're not li- so. Yeah, but we're not living in it. So that was, that was like our first sort of foray into like long-term discussion yeah. and advice. Um, because we live in Toronto and Toronto housing is insane. And for a long time I had been, well, I've been, we've been grappling with the idea of, okay, we're self-employed artists, no pension, also really sort of unsure what our career arc is going to look like and when we'd retire and when. Like at what point so, you stop making income? Twenty to one levered investment is exactly the sort of thing. That <laughs> <you're not thinking. laughs> 
Zing. Zing. <laughs> yeah, I should really just connect you with John. All I know, the time. I know. We he should can just give talk. you the numbers that, like, that's that's where my my talking lacks teeth. I okay. also have index funds, so it's not like. Yeah. It's like a fifty-fifty thing right now, yeah. basically. Well, and what what me is kind of what we were getting to a little bit too is that idea that that's what we've started to talk about long term still because that like is it, we have talked about even though our pools are like our our financial lives are still pretty separate we don't have joint long term retirement savings but we do have have thought about the fact that you know real estate is not something that interests me so it's I'm happy playing more in the market side of things and playing with more ETFs and index funds and all those fun things. So it's like we think about and we talk about balance between the two the two sides of us and talk about kind of like family balance within yeah. that. And um, so that's that's I don't, was that answer your question? I can't remember what your question was. Advice? Ooh, I, advice? Do you give each other advice? I don't know if we give each other advice, but we, I don't know. So, I like so where it went. You're talking long term, but we haven't really talked specifics. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know the life cycle of an opera singer. Like, is mm-hmm. is retirement age 65 for you guys, or do you have to uh, plan for a career transition at some yeah. point yeah. Uh, relatively soon, or sort of what do your plans look like? Well, and that's that's yeah, that's exactly it, and that's something we've thought about a lot because it's like retirement at like a retirement age. Um, that's, you know, there's a chance maybe you might sing till 65. Probably not. Probably not. Like with all the history of, of her voice type and things like that, different voice types mature different things. And there's always the odd ones that do, but like also you might not want to. So it's like, it's opening up the options of like, how can we stay as flexible as possible and, and open ourselves up? And that's one of the reasons why I started looking for something to balance out my career with. For lots of reasons, but one of the reasons was, and one of the reasons why I feel better about the balance we're in right now is knowing that if there's a transition in the next 5, 10, 15 years, whatever that is, hopefully I'll be in a position where we can reverse the roles and where this is the thing where it's like so much of uh, our lives is not stable because opera singing is crazy and because the but it's gig to gig whatever your job is it's gig to gig. it's not a whole lot different from um financial planning, financial planning when you're on your own like you, you're just you're auditioning you're getting the same except thing except you still get paid if you have a cold <laughs> that's true <laughs> Whereas, that is true yeah not so much this, a cold can't take you off your job quite as yeah. significantly as it can with opera but but uh just like more specifically the opera singer's career really depends on male female and voice type so just as you would imagine uh lighter higher soprano which i am is we play usually younger girls on stage there are very few roles for like older women who have who sound like me so that inevitably means that you kind of are in your peak earning years in your early 30s mid 30s to mid 40s and if you're really famous then you keep you kind of keep going you can do a million careers you can keep singing you know and your voice does grow and change and it can morph into different repertoire a little bit um but usually for a soprano you taper off the singing i don't know i'd say around 50 Oh, that's a good career. That'd be a good career. That's a good career. 
a lot of people finish earlier than that. For for soubrettes, yeah. often 40 is not, that's not crazy. Yeah. You know? Or you start doing kind of different stuff and left, yeah. And transitioning into, into, into teaching, different roles, teaching and um, things like that. Different kinds of concert or... Yeah. Yeah. Different different roles within the industry. Yeah. Uh, behind the scenes or, or whatever. It's Whereas a... men who have really low voices, um, the the meat of their earning years is when they're older. And a lot of my friends who are low bass, baritones, basses, they don't get taken seriously when they're in their twenties and thirties because the roles that they have to sing are like yeah. elderly gentlemen or like bad guys who have to look really imposing and it makes it just doesn't seem their voice has to mature and their their body has to kind of look the part as well yeah and so they have they have the the reverse which is they don't a lot of them don't survive until they're in their prime because you have this like almost 20 year span you think about it like you start your training when you're 20 and if you're not really ready to like make big bucks until you're 40 at the earliest that's a that's a huge span of time. Like being a scientist. What? Yeah, yeah. Is exactly. is that more what it's like, where you just have to like survive twenty years and then eventually bucks start to come in? Well, I, I don't think the bucks ever really come in if you use that phrase, but um, you get tenure. So yeah, right. Well, and that at least comes with some stability. So it's like, yeah. you know, but it 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 is different. And then you, yeah. It's yeah. better than dancers who yeah, dancers, are done by 30. Yeah, dancers retire or transition at 30, basically. And rarely is there a singer, and, and this isn't going to be unless something really changes in the next 10 years, where you can retire completely yeah. at you know, 45 or something like that. You know, your career needs to be a bit longer than that. I know that there's some singers that have put themselves in a good position to retire in their mid-50s. But, but that's, you know, that's usually if rare. you're the kind of person who's been who's like been in an opera career and is traveling and it's, it yeah. takes a lot of focus and dedication. You're also not the kind of person who wants to retire at 45. Like, what are you going to do with yourself? <laughs> you know? And no, totally. But just retire. Transitioning you know? is difficult, but it, but it becomes a transition to something different. And, yeah. And yeah. And so when we talk about it, you know, there's lots of things, but we're trying to just be as flexible as possible, you know, because we don't know exactly what that transition is going to mean or when it's going to come or a lot of those things. So it's, it's trying to set ourselves up. Um, so there's maximum flexibility and, and honestly, you know, both with kind of setting up liquid funds, not just for retirement, but to kind of sit in there and, and to invest in, in income. So like in other businesses and other streams of income that can kind of support us and, and to kind of make it through those things because that's coming in the next, well, it could be coming shortly. Like, there's all these kind of things that could happen yeah. that, uh, you know, there's not going to be any insurance that can, can cover that that interim, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you're totally right. Like, that's that's a big thing. And more than the long, long-term stuff, I think that that's, that's more on the horizon, right? You know, that's, a, that's something that will happen. Okay, so... You talk a lot about communication. It sounds like you guys talk about it a lot. But is there anything that happens automatically? Like maybe you talked about it first, but like let's say the water bill comes in. Do you know whose hand it goes to? Yeah, totally. Um, that's like a lot of like the rent. Mimi pays the rent and utilities, and I pay her. So that kind of that is a system that's in place. It's not like everything is by gosh, by golly. And honestly, um, that long distance fund that we talked about at the beginning about like putting 150 each into that fund and the, the kind of both the withdrawals every once in a while uh, we'll ask you like, is that okay to come out of there? But generally that 
functions yeah. without a lot of talking. Um, and, and honestly, like most of the regular stuff, even though it is casual, like groceries and things like that, like it does, it's not like we're sitting down. We don't have a, like I've talked with people who have like a regular finance meeting every month, every week that like really, like we don't talk about groceries a lot unless it's a problem. So like it's no, it I mean, really does just run. Just be like, hey, do you mind getting this one? I got the last one. It, exactly. <laughs> Basically, how it how yeah. it goes. So, yeah. but but some of the the normal bills, yeah, we do have we do have a person like Mimi does most of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All the bills technically go through me, but then we know what the they're all basically set costs every month. So Chris knows and what it's all, that is. We're like we rent is all anything, utilities yeah, in. We don't so. have anything that's that sort of fluctuates. Um, because we're renting and it's all inclusive and yeah. so it's internet rent basically it's just those two things that we have a lot of like actual joint costs yeah um, phones are separate phones are separate I pay for Netflix that's true yeah <laughs> that's true I'm just on her account yeah, yeah. I don't know if you let it don't, don't tell them don't tell them $8 <clears throat> or whatever it is I think do you can you imagine yourself in the future at some point making things joint? Does that, or more things joint or some things joint? Maybe. Is that a thing you thought about? The big reason why we don't have things joint for like things like groceries and, and, and food in general is just because like we do enough traveling and we're not in the same place all the time. So it's just like, yeah. it doesn't, it, having groceries separate makes sense because a lot of the time we're buying our own groceries. Yeah, and if I'm so, away for two weeks out of the month or three weeks out of the month, it doesn't make sense for us to have a pool together that we're pulling from. Then it's more complicated from. for us to be like, oh, well, I'm only here for yeah. a third of the month, so I should only put in a third of the cut. Like, we just basically, when we're together, we sort of, we, we'll buy groceries yeah. together. We'll, if, we, if we're shopping together, we'll often put down two cards yeah. and split them 50-50. But it would totally, like, I don't, we're not opposed to joint. I think there'll always be a separate element mm -hmm. as long as we're both running businesses. Like, we'll have separate finances there anyways so and, and i don't mind you know yeah i i think uh, i wouldn't have any problem having more joint elements if it would make sense but i think but especially like if we end up having kids or anything like that then it becomes more like okay it's yeah, the family sure. expense yeah. yeah and then like you know i could absolutely yeah. see that being some at, at that point doing some more of a joint yeah situation. well yeah is like the more the more joint expenses like we don't have a ton of joint clean like pure joint expenses and so it's it just hasn't become really necessary and there's not a lot of friction there i think right? no yeah. friction so there's friction there <laughs> well done anything else you guys want to know oh i thought that was awesome <laughs> no i all right that's all we've got for you today if you liked what you heard head over to itunes and give us a really good rating that really helps people find us that would be awesome and if you loved what you heard why not check out our patreon page patreon.com slash because money and lend us a little support so we can keep doing what we're doing i am chris Entz, and you can find me over at rags to reasonable.com I'd like to thank my partners in crime, Sandy Martin, who you can find at Spring Financial Planning, springplans.ca, and John Robertson, who you can find value at Simple, or his blog, Blessed by the Potato, which is holypotato.net.
goodbye.